but you need to really figure out like, what is the most important things for me? Is it work-life balance? Maybe you're working eight, you know, 60, 80 hours a week and you want to work 40 hours, you know? So, you know, in pursuing the next opportunity, what is it that's so important to you that you're not willing to negotiate on? What are the things that you're willing to be flexible on? Staying motivated takes work. If you don't work on your motivation, you become unmotivated. Join Umar Jang as he shares inspirational stories and tips to get you motivated to do whatever you need to do. This is the Motivational Voice Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Motivational Voice Podcast. This is session number 38. Did the pandemic make you reevaluate your career choices? Because of COVID, many of us faced a sobering reality, which is that our jobs may not be the glamorous and exciting work that we thought we had. And now there's a tiny voice in your head asking you to reevaluate everything. But in the post-COVID uncertainty, is it wise to go looking for a job? But if you do go looking for a job, what should you watch out for? Are there trends that you need to be aware of? To help answer these questions, I'm talking to Melanie Mitchell-Wexler, who is a career and life coach. Melanie is driven by a deep desire to help people find meaningful and fulfilling work. She draws heavily from 18 years of recruiting and staffing experience and brings an innate knowledge of the market. Melanie will be sharing some concrete action steps that I am sure will help you find that next job that you love, or if you are not looking for a job, they will help you think differently about your current job. And there are so many great nuggets in this interview that I want you to hear. So let's drive right in and listen to my interview with Melanie. Melanie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So would you take a second and introduce yourself to our listeners and let us know and tell us what you do and who you are? Yeah. So I am a career and a life coach. I was a prior to becoming uh, into the coaching field. I was actually a recruiter for 18 years and I transitioned into coaching back in 2017 um, and really take all of the things that I learned being a recruiter. I was on both sides of the fence. I work with candidates as well as clients understanding what happens behind the scenes and the hiring and the recruiting process. And now as a coach, I bring that to the table. So I help individuals with everything from their resumes to interviewing, to networking, uh, as well as working on confidence, goals, and career action plans and job search strategies. I really cover the whole nine yards and uh, utilize all of that background that I had in the corporate world and now apply it to individual co- uh, individual clients. Awesome. That's great. And so you've been a recruiter, you said, for 18 years. So what, what kind of companies did you work for? Was this in the public sector or private sector? So I was in the private sector. Um, I, my first recruiting job, I was with Robert Half International, which a lot of people recognize the name. Um, that's where I got my training. That's where I always say I got my foundation. I was there with them for three years, um, moved up the ranks, uh, was a million dollar producer um, during those periods of time, and then went on to work in a couple of different recruiting and staffing fields. Uh, staffing companies. And so I've done everything from accounting and finance, uh, 
I can't talk pharmaceutical and clinical research as, and then um, also the umbrella of like marketing, human resources, um, administrative operations. And so I've had the opportunity to work with everybody from college graduates to C-level executives. And then in 2017 and 2018, I was working both full-time as well as working on my coaching business. And I was working for a firm in DC, which I was doing recruiting um, throughout the United States. And that's the other thing too, is that I've been able to work in multiple verticals and multiple platforms across the United States, understanding different areas, how different markets respond to different events and um, the economy and things of that nature and all levels of professionals. I think that's really apropos. And that leads me to my next question, which is actually, we've just gone through a really unprecedented time in terms of employment because of COVID and the pandemic really globally. A lot of people lost their jobs. I'm sure there are people who maybe they considered before the pandemic changing jobs or even looking for jobs. What are some of the things that you are seeing in terms of trends as a result of the pandemic? Yeah, so I saw two trends. I was actually last year about this time, I was actually really kind of worried about like what that meant for my business. You know, as a coach, I understand um, it's a luxury. It's not an, you know, not necessarily a necessity. And then if you heard what was happening, if you were watching the news, uh, everything in the world, you know, it, 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 there's definitely some di- divisions and some uh, decimated, you know, industries such as hospitality. And so I saw two things happen. One, I, I ended up getting a lot of hospitality um, individuals um, from major major chains um, that, you know, found themselves in the job market that they weren't expecting. And so helping them learn how to pivot their skills and where their skills could be applied to new industries. And then I also saw a lot of people, um, you know, that were still employed, but yet had the, you know, but it really became an awakening of there isn't a, the sense of a permanent job is a false sense of permanency. And I used to have these conversations with when I was a recruiter because people would say, well, I don't want that contract or, you know, I want a full-time, I want a permanent job. And there's full-time jobs, but there's really nothing permanent. And I know that scares a lot of people, but I think that's really what the pandemic showed us is that there's nothing permanent that you, if you aren't happy in your current job, it really pushed it in your face because now your job became in your home. Um, you know, you, you got out of bed, you got in the shower and your commute was to your desk or to the table or, you know, <laughs> to another room. So it really forced a lot of people to really analyze, am I happy where I'm at? What am I looking for? And really assess um, their career goals. And so those were the two things that I saw, you know, people needing to pivot immediately and not under, you know, what kind of, how can I transfer my skills? But also, you know, what do I want to do? And, you know, am I there? And what can, more can I do? Yeah, no, that's very interesting. And I, yeah, I would definitely dig into both of those. And I think the the first point you made about pivoting, I think at least on in my eyes, what I saw a lot was in the height of the pandemic, a lot of nursing jobs and maybe doctor positions, physician positions were in really high demand where people were traveling from one side of the country to the next and well, namely going to New York because that was the the center of the the epidemic first. 
is that the kind of trend that you're talking about or is yeah. that more on a larger scale expanding to other areas? Well, I think it also expanded into like technology and manufacturing. Um, I think that's something, and I think that's what we're still seeing now. I mean, the market's a little, um, I know there's a lot of people that are unsure of what's happening with the market. It is a little wonky still. I mean, obviously unemployment, you know, we still have a fair amount, you know, a high level of unemployment higher than of course we want to see, but I do think there's some stabilizing trends. And I do think that technology has um, really afforded, has really grown. I'm seeing a lot happen in that Mm -hmm. field. And then, you know, the thing too, is those are always trends too, for a good, a sign of a good economy is if the tech field is hiring, what happens then it trickles down into other departments within the company. So if they're hiring and they're building I'm not, I work with technology people, but I'm not the, you know, I I can help them with my side of the business. I can't help them with the knowledge, but um, what happens then though is, and this was always things because I've lived, I've worked through two different um, recessions when I was a recruiter. So I kind of had some, I guess, a baseline of kind of how to respond to this. Of course, this was brand new, but when companies are hiring in technology, that usually means that they're going to hire in accounting and finance. Um, then we're going to see, you know, continue to hire staff in operations because of growth, as well as like marketing and branding and communications. So you see that kind of grow from, you know, different departments. Um, and so that's definitely something too, that I think not only was the medical field, um, you know, definitely we're seeing, you know, we've had a shortage of, um, nurses in particular for quite some time. So, um, you know, this has even put a greater stress and demand on that profession. So you had a lot, you know, of people needing to really kind of step up and figure out where, you know, what they could do and how they could do it. Now, if someone wanted to, to pivot, because I think you made a good point saying all of a sudden, because of the pandemic, you ended up being at home, doing your job from home for, for, for those who could anyway, and realizing that, well, if you didn't like your job, it really became more evident and more apparent. Right. <laughs> so if as a result of that, someone is now looking to pivot to a different career or a different industry altogether, what are some of the first steps or the steps that you get walk them through to, to start thinking or to start pivoting to that new job or industry? I think a lot of people just assume, and I think this is where they make the mistake, is they just want to jump in and start applying for jobs, but they don't really determine, okay, what made me unhappy in the last job? Like, what do I really want to do? So I always tell people, sometimes you have to like, you know, and this is always kind of the frustrating part is, you know, you have to do your research, you have to study, you have to really figure out, okay, where do I want to go? What do I want to do? And how do I get there? And so it's really developing a very, what I call a career action plan and developing those goals. So you need to determine, um, you know, like I had a client, for example, that, you know, she, and I just found out she just accepted a new opportunity with a new company. And so, but she wanted to initially she's like in a management role, but she wanted to be in the C-level suite. And I had to be very honest with her. I'm a very kind of, I was always a direct recruiter and I still have that uh, sense about me as a coach. But I had to say, you know, what we need to do is we actually need to slow that down because as a recruiter, I can tell you that the likelihood of going from management to C-level, there's a big gap in there. 
And so you're going to have to make some baby steps to get to that point. I fully believe she can be a C-level um, you know, employee for a company one day. I was very realistic. Like we need to take a few steps back because she didn't understand why she wasn't being hired, you know, because of her skills. And I was like, it's because people you're missing a gap in terms of that succession. So you really have to take stock of your skills, but you also have to figure out like, is there something that I need and, or I'm missing? So whether that's a certification or a certain level of education, if you see all these jobs are asking for, you know, master's degrees and you only have your bachelor's and every position you apply for, that's a good indication that, you know, com- that's going to be, a pretty heavy requirement. Not that it's maybe, you know, not that you can't find it, but those are little indications that you maybe need to focus on the education first and the things to get you to that point, or maybe some secondary uh, training courses or certifications to help supplement that. There's a ton of those programs right now available with some of the best schools and doing it online. So, um, you know, the, that opportunity for access is great. Um, but you really, you know, edu- educating yourself and researching is really the key in that first step. So is that almost looking at, let's say, the job description of the job you're in currently and looking at the one you aspire to have and saying, okay, this requires a degree, this requires this or that, this is what I have today based on my current job and what skills and knowledge and abilities do I need to go get before I can be a good candidate for that next level job? Is that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's even, even deeper than that. It's also figuring out what is it about this current job that you don't like, Mm -hmm. you know, what is it that, you know, if you have very specific, um, things that you like doing as opposed, I mean, we all have aspects of our job that we don't like doing, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, but does that take up 50% or more of your time? And so that's a good indication too. what I call, you know, also understanding what your career values are. And, you know, I know when people hear values, they think of trust, they think of honesty, things of that nature, but you need to really figure out like, what is the most important things for me? Is it work-life balance? Maybe you're working, you know, 60, 80 hours a week and you want to work 40 hours, you know? Um, So, you know, in pursuing the next opportunity, what is it that's so important to you that you're not willing to negotiate on? What are the things that you're willing to be flexible on? And then, you know what, what I call the icing on the cake. If you had them, that's great. If you got those bonuses, things of that nature, but you're willing to you know, go without something. So, um, but yeah, I think you have to understand, I think you have to ask yourself, what is it that you truly want to be doing and what drives you, you know, what makes you excited? What, what drives you to be, you know, to push you to be successful in your career. And then you start to go into the deeper aspect, you know, the, from that deep aspect into, okay, now that we know what direction we're headed in, um, is to be able to um, go into um, the aspect of what I'm going to head into now is like looking at the job description, things of that nature. Okay. And that goes into what you call the career action plan. Yeah. If you were to create that career action plan, maybe not, maybe I don't want to go into detail, but at a high level, what are those steps? So I think you talked about researching, understanding what you want, 
and what uh, what your job entails, you know, things that you don't like within your current job, and what would be the, the next step? Yeah, the next step is also figuring out where you want to work. You know, I've done this exercise even back as a recruiter. I would always ask um, my candidates to come in and give me their top 10 list. You know, what's the top 10 places that you want to work in? And because we have really transitioned into such a remote world, and I think remote working is here to stay for the most part. I, I don't see a lot of that. A lot of companies were, you know, there were companies that were already transitioning for that, but, um, you know, remote options are now more than plentiful. So where do you want to work? You know, do you have a wish list? You know, a lot of people, of course, you know, um, think about working for Amazon or Google or Microsoft or, you know, one of the big companies, you know, there's always that list of, you know, wants, but other people, you know, whether you're in nonprofit or marketing, whatever the case may be, you know, you can have a, you know, wish list basically. And examining like who's in these companies that I could connect to, um, who can I conduct informational interviews with or ask for informational interviews so I can learn more about the company, I can learn more about positions within the company, and then, uh, you know, and doing your research on those companies. Because oftentimes, if you're in a big organization, say, for example, like Amazon, your role is going to be very specific. So if you're somebody that really likes to have, you know, a lot of, you know, creative ability and not confined to, you know, different rule, you know, different processes, you know, you have to kind of ask yourself, do you want to be a cog in the wheel or do you want to be the person helping develop the wheel? And um, you, so you need to know what, where you thrive in. So maybe you want to think you want to work in a large company, but you really find that, you know what, I actually could thrive better in a small to medium-sized company where I have direct impact on the outcome of the work that I do. So you have to really start to think of that. And so a lot of the process is identifying, conduct, you know, reaching out to people, networking, um, looking at the companies, what jobs are open right now. And, you know, can they start applying for, you know, are you positioned to start applying for those jobs? And then of course, as you mentioned, adding in the research aspect of the, you know, looking at the jobs, what do I need to have, that type of thing. Basically, understanding what the company culture is and whether you want to maybe be a leader, part of a team, you know, maybe lead a, a smaller team or large size team or be a member of that team. Right. But yeah, those are important things because some of us are happier if they just go in, do their jobs, they don't have any direct reports or anyone that they have, they have to to take care of so to speak yeah that's a, that's a good point now apart from that is there any aspect of maybe a skills gap analysis i think we talked a little bit about this about understanding what you're missing what that gap is is that absolutely necessary for someone to do or can they take skills that they had from let's say previous experience or maybe you are in the army or maybe you're in a different company that did things a little differently that you can use as a substitute for maybe going to get a degree or a certification to be able to get that job? Yeah. Well, I always think that there's always a hundred percent. You always have skills that can transfer regardless of where you're at in your career and what kind of position. So I always think you can transfer your skills. I think where I, as a coach come in, where it helps is being able to kind of have a second set of eyes, because oftentimes we're so close to the situation, we don't always necessarily see 
how, where we could apply those skills or how we could shift them or, you know, package them basically to fit another box. And so having kind of a third party opinion, I think helps with that. Um, So I definitely think no matter what, you can always have skills that are transferable. Um, But yes, it is a matter of, I don't necessarily think, you know, I'm not a big proponent of adding on the education and the certifications, unless you're just in a field that's absolutely necessary. Um, Some, you know, some fields do require it. You know, there's just really no ifs, ands, or buts. But if you can, you know, maybe do some supplemental training courses, um, there's a lot of certifications available, things like that, that you just show that you're continuing your education and continuing your knowledge in your field, I think are always pluses. Um, but also figuring out what, you know, again, if you, if you look at, you know, 10 job descriptions and they're all asking for a master's, it's probably a good indicator that that type of position or role is going to look, you know, for, I would typically say for C-level executives, you know, they want to see higher level education, that type of thing for most, you know, for most organizations. Um, it's definitely not a cookie cutter process. <laughs> so, um, you know, which is that's where we get into like being more customized to each individual person and, you know, fitting their, fitting their needs. But I think you can look at it from multiple angles. Once that's in place, what would be then the logical next steps would be to start applying, looking for jobs? Are there any specific steps to take to get to that in terms of how do you now go from here to submitting yourself out there, your resume, so people can start looking at them and what to look out for? Yeah, so um, I, you know, the next phase is the application phase. I am a lot of things that people will, you know, follow me or look at my uh, content that I post they will notice two things. One, I always talk about you have to do more in this market than just apply online and keep your fingers crossed. Yes, it still works. Um, It is still a tried and true measure. So it still does work. People still get interviews and people still get hired that way. But you do have to start doing a little bit extra to be seen. Um, And then also, I'm a big advocate of LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn is a great platform for not only just you know, getting your profile up to speed and optimized, but also for connecting and networking with, with individuals within companies. And I think that's the, often that is the thing that people aren't doing. People aren't, you know, um, they, you know, will say they're a subject matter expert, for example, or a thought leader in their industry, but yet they've never posted content on LinkedIn about their industry or share information about their industry. So when companies go and look at your profile. They want to know what your thoughts, what are your opinions? Where do you stand on the latest trends and, you know, um, you know, what's happening in your industry. And especially if you're, you know, um, I would say an executive high level management, or if you're claiming, you know, subject matter expert thought leader, which are, you know, terms that I think maybe get used too easily (laughs) nowadays. Um, But if you're, you know, putting that out there, you need to be putting, you need to be showing that as well. So I think that, you know, those are two things that, um, you know, when looking at the process still apply for the jobs online, of course, but take that second, you know, before you just keep applying and applying, you know, we live in a world, you know, we live in a life where we've been told from early on as young children that it's all about the numbers. So, um, you know, the more you put into something, the greater you're going to get out. 
But I think it's actually the opposite when applying for jobs. I think people tend to apply for too many jobs without doing the research. And then they wonder, well, why am I not getting you know, contacted? And I think people are just hitting submit, 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 as opposed to really doing the research and taking time to say, okay, I just applied for XYZ company. Let me look on LinkedIn. Who can I connect with? Who am I connected with? Or utilizing their network properly. Um, you know, I have a client that's interviewing with a with GitHub, which is a major, you know, company. It's on the wish list for a lot of people. And you know, she saw an opening, but she actually did the research before and knew that she had two or three connections. That's actually what got her literally an interview within probably 48 hours of submitting a resume, is because she was using her network. So she, you know, still, you know, and that's what moved her to the top of the list for an interview. So I think people have to not be afraid to reach out and ask for help, but also to utilize the network. Who do you know? Who's in that company? Who could you even introduce yourself with? That's actually how I got my last full-time position before I, you know, entered into coaching full-time was I applied for this firm in D.C., um, I was in the market. I wasn't quite sure if I coaching was going to be full-time. I didn't know where it was going to land. So I'm still looking for a job. I wanted to do corporate recruiting. Um, I applied. I applied online. I applied through LinkedIn. And I literally, before I did anything else, I reached out to I reached out to the CFO and I reached out, I found saw that this position reported to the CFO. It was in the job description, found the person that was actually handling the recruiting. And I said, all I simply said was. Um, I just applied for the corporate recruiter job. I'm very interested in this opportunity. I would love to connect. They immediately checked out my LinkedIn profile. And I think I had a message within you know, 24 hours or something that they would like to interview me. And it simply put me just at the top. It took, you know, because you may get as a recruiter, you may get 500 resumes for one job. And so it's a matter of, it's not that you're competing with those 500 people, I'll be very honest, probably 95 to 98% aren't even qualified for that particular job. Um, so you're not competing against equal peers. You're just competing against numbers. So what are you going to do to make yourself stand out? And so that's definitely what, you know, some of the approaches that I take with my clients in terms of like, we have to do more nowadays. Applying online and just hoping you're going to get noticed is not going to be enough. Yeah, that, that's a very good point. One thing I know, because I do have a background in, in human resources, a lot of companies spend a lot of money on third-party tools to yeah. connect directly into LinkedIn so they can harvest and mine that data from the candidates. And that can make a huge difference, you know, to your point, going that extra mile of saying, you know, I am going to be the red car, an analogy to the commercial, the Dodge. Yes. <laughs> Be the red car, not the in, in a sea of white cars. Don't be a white car, be a red car, meaning yep. just take that extra step, reach out to someone and send an email. If anything, your name is going to be top of mind when they look at the resume. That's a very, very good tip. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, any any other site or anything else that you saw was useful? Yeah. I mean, I always, I just did a post on this about if you're in a specific industry, look for professional associations within your industry. Oftentimes, professional associations have their own um, 
um, you know, of course they have their web pages, but they often post career opportunities within the industry and um, that you're looking for. I think that's a great way because often it's not through, um, it's not necessarily through the third party site, like a LinkedIn or an Indeed or a Glassdoor. Um, you know, it's directly related to your industry. Often the people that are doing the hiring list their names and their contact information um, on these associations. So definitely look at your industry, see if there's a professional association because they always have positions. Um, Also, don't forget to check out the company's website. I know this sounds like such a silly thing to do, but what people don't realize is not every job is equal in that organization. So there are so many opportunities that are never posted that don't make it to the LinkedIn's, to the glass doors, to the Indeed's because mm. it costs those organizations, you know, they only have so many spots basically every month. And so, you know, different positions get allocated a different basically value to the importance of it needing to be filled. So there could be a position that you're equally qualified for. And I for, and there's the number of people that I would talk to that forget go check out the company's website. <laughs> like they're like always, they may only post one or two positions on LinkedIn. They're not, not every company has, you know, the ability or the budgets like Amazon or Google or, you know, these big name companies, not every company has that. So, um, you know, mo- some companies maybe only have the, you know, budget to post one or two jobs that they have and they alternate them so that, you know, and just because you see that post that expired on LinkedIn does not mean that job is expired. It just means it's expired. It's post, you know, it's, it has a window of time that they will agree to they've paid for. So, that doesn't mean that they have filled it. That doesn't even mean that they have enough candidates. Um, check out their website. And even if you do don't find it, still reach out to the people that are doing the hiring. Because again, and I think people are so afraid to, to break down that wall. And well, what do I say? And what if, you know, you have nothing to lose. If you send a message to somebody and somebody just equally, you know, and they don't respond. Okay. <laughs> you know, like they're really, you have nothing to lose. I mean, what is the worst that they're going to tell you? No. Well, yeah, good point. you know, I mean, you're going to get probably a few no's in this process, you know, like that's just part of, that's part of this process. So, I mean, they're, you know, they're not going to put you on a list and say, oh gosh, that person is, you know, that person emailed me and don't talk to, you know, like that's not going to happen. So, you know, don't be so scared of reaching out and connecting with people. In terms of frequency, what would be a a good number of resumes? And there may not be a a magic answer for this. What would be a good number of resumes to submit on a given month for a week? Yeah, it is hard because it also, that's so dependent on the industry and the position that you may be applying for. Like, you know, somebody that's an administrative assistant is probably going to see new postings honestly every day, Um, you know, as opposed to say, uh, you know, a chief financial officer, which, you know, in that case, I would say get connected with a very good recruiter that has a good pipeline because often you're not, you don't necessarily see those openings per se. 
um, because those often don't go published. You know, most of them don't um, because they're usually confidential searches, things of that nature, high level executive searches. So, you know, it really does depend on your position. But I always say if you're looking for a job, you need to commit, you know, I think what happens is people overcommit, like they'll spend, you know, they'll say, I hear things like I spent eight hours applying for jobs. And I'm like, maybe, you know, schedule an hour to apply for jobs. Because then at the end of the day, though, when you spent eight hours, and then you're frustrated, and then like, oh, well, nobody responded. And because we live in such an immediacy, you know, we love immediacy, we love you know, we want instant gratification. And, um, you know, so we, you know, but at the end of eight hours, then you're like, why well, wasted my day? Nobody applied. Then you feel like defeated, you know, whereas if you, if you treat, if you're not currently working and you're actively looking for a job, treat it, you know, you almost have to kind of treat it like a job, but you won't do one task for the entire day you know, break it up. So maybe I spend an hour looking for jobs on Monday. And then I spend an hour reaching out to connections, uh, looking at companies that I'd be interested in working for that are in my, you know, in my area, maybe on, you know, and then on Tuesday, maybe I don't apply for jobs, but I'm going to continue that networking and that, you know, informational interview, or I'm going to take a class, um, you know, LinkedIn has a lot of uh, classes, LinkedIn learning. Uh, there's also online kind of universities, but there's a lot of like Udemy, Course, Coursera, um, places like that that offer additional skills. So if you know, for example, that your skills are lacking in Excel and you want to brush up on your Excel, take a course plan that in your day, you know, add some value to your job search. And then if you're in a job and, you know, the feeling of coming home and like, I don't want to spend my entire evening, you know, looking for a job, or you maybe don't even have the time to spend an entire night. That's okay. Dedicate 30, 45 minutes, maybe, you know, adjust it to your schedule, but it doesn't have to be a, you know, it doesn't have to be a 40 hour a week commitment. Um, you know, give yourself that ability to learn other things, you know, uh, educate yourself in other areas of the industry, stay atop of the news in your industry so that you can be equipped for when you do get that interview request and you're doing, you know, you do the research on the front end. I know earlier you alluded to this, which is that remote working is here to stay. Where do you see the industry at large going? Are we going to go hybrid? Are we going to go more remote or a little bit of both? I think we're going to go hybrid. I think for the most part, I think there are companies that are have decided that they've gone, they are going to go fully remote. So I, I I'm a, it's still a little unsure. I, I, I think right now we're going to probably see 50, 50. Um, but I think that there's still going to be companies that are going to, you know, people are going to go back into the office. I think there's probably um, now that, you know, um, the vaccinations are becoming more accessible and, uh, you know, available. And um, that's going to help, you know, reduce cases, hope, knock on wood. And, mm. um, you know, so I do think we're going to see that, I think. Um, but I do think that there are a lot of companies that are going to go 100% remote, that they have it in place now. They can continue to refine the process um, and that they will stick with that. And I think, you know, 
um, there's a lot of employees that, you know, that would be beneficial for. What motivates you? You know, for me personally, I think there's, you know, two things. My kids motivate me. My family motivates me, you know, just to, I always want to make them proud, but just want to um, always just do right by them, you know, and just always, you know, show them, you know, how, what hard work can yield you. And then also my clients motivate me. I love hearing success stories and I love hearing, you know, the, when people do get jobs or, you know, even, even in the process of gaining confidence in the process and being able to feel like they can go out on their own and, you know, really handle the job search process. Cause it can be a roller coaster. It can be, you know, it's emotional, it's draining, it's mentally taxing. (laughs) It's not for the faint of heart. Um, So, you know, that, that to me is, you know, my family definitely motivates me, but Um, You know, my clients motivate me every day to just keep pushing myself for my own, you know, this business is my career now. And so, um, you know, doing more and providing more for them, you know, is a great motivator. And Melanie, if there are some listeners who want to get in touch with you or get a hold of you, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah, so you can find me on Facebook. Um, I do have a website. It's coming. It's in the works. Um, So working on the content right now. But you can find me on Facebook. It's Career Coaching M. Wexler. Um, Also, I'm on Instagram. So it's M. Wexler Career Coach uh, on Instagram. And then you can also just connect with me on LinkedIn as well. I love connecting with people, make, you know, send a note, letting me know how you, if you heard, um, how you heard about me, it's always great to know. Um, And that's just my, you know, you can find me Melanie Mitchell Wexler there as well. So, and I'm also on Clubhouse. So I know that's the latest and greatest craze. So, um, and I am hosting um, a couple of rooms with a couple of other career coaches where we do live resume reviews, live LinkedIn profile audits, um, and just answer your career questions. So you can also find me there. So Great. are you in a particular club on Clubhouse or I we do have a club. It's called Cultivate Careers. Um, so we do have our own club. Right now we're in some other clubs just kind of generating some interest and building our um I always I think it's I cringe saying this, but building our following. Um, <laughs> and so it's part of the business, I know, but yeah. um, but yeah, so no, building our following. I've been able to collaborate with two other coaches. Um, we actually just randomly kind of connected and um, have developed a really great friendship, um, almost immediate, which was great. We all have different specialties. You know, I'm more the LinkedIn guru, the strategist for the LinkedIn. I have a coach that um, works with veterans and individuals that with disabilities and helps them get in the marketplace. And then um, our third coach, she is a power negotiator. So she helps everybody with resumes to negotiating salaries and everything. So it's a good mix of um, skills and experience. I think overall, we have like 40 years of experience combined. So. That's great. Yeah, Clubhouse is is a it's a fun place. It could be time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I am there as well. And and I oh, okay. stay away from it because you know it could it could suck me in. It can definitely suck you in. I've actually kind of had a little bit of um I haven't been as much on it the last last week and um well this week's still young, but um last week I kind of needed just a little bit of a break because I was like I was like I just can't. It was like too much information. I was like, I don't even, you know, and even the fun rooms, like just some fun light rooms. I was like, no, I'm just, 
I can't even do this. Yeah, <laughs> because, like, so took a little bit of a break, uh, took the foot off the pedal a little bit on that, but that's good. That's okay. <laughs> so okay. any final words of wisdom or any parting words? You know, the thing is, if somebody's looking to pivot their career or change their career, I just tell people all the time, don't be afraid. There is no perfect time. I know that, you know, we often hold up on doing things because we're like, well, when it's, you know, when it's the right time, I'll do this. Or, you know, when the kids are older, I'll do this. Or, you know, we make kind of these excuses or reasons to halt our career growth. There is no such thing as perfect timing. I like that just doesn't exist. Um, and so don't be afraid to pursue it. And also don't give up. You know, everybody's journey is something different, you know, but I do believe that, you know, I've seen people that, you know, get hired in different, you know, economies, different situations. And, you know, good people always find a good home in terms of their next employment and, op, you know, and that is, you know, the direction that you're supposed to go in. So, you know, don't give up with that and just believe in yourself. I'm, I'm a big believer in positive mindset when you approach things. Wise words of encouragement. Thanks. Thank you, Melanie. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate you having me. My pleasure. That was my interview with Melanie Mitchell Wexler. What did I tell you? Wasn't that a great interview? Before I wrap up this episode, I have a question for you. Are you feeling stuck in your personal or professional life? Do you feel like you are struggling to reach the same goals that you set last year and the year before that? I know exactly how it feels to be stuck, unable to make any leeway. It's demoralizing. It kills your motivation and makes you question everything. I've been there. If you want to get out of this vicious circle of spinning your wheels, then you need a clear vision of your purpose-filled life, whether it's your personal life or your professional life. It's not rocket science, but you need to take a leap of faith. So what I want you to do is book a discovery call during which I will help you unearth the things that are not working in your life and tackle them head-on. I will teach you concrete, actionable strategies that will take you from being stuck in the mud and confused about what you want to being crystal clear on your goals, your life, and your purpose. Go to umarjeng.com and book a call for us to connect. Again, it's umarjeng.com to book that discovery call. Don't wait another day to gain clarity, reach your goals, and live the life of purpose that your heart desires. I hope to talk to you soon. You can find the show notes for today's episode on my website at umarjang.com forward slash session 38. By the way, if you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, share it with someone that you think would enjoy it as well. I would really appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for spending part of your day with me today. I really appreciate you. Until next time, please stay safe and motivated. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Motivational Voice Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate it on iTunes. Get show notes and the latest blog posts at omarjang.com.